This week, we're going to tackle one of the more unusual topics for ACE, and that is common vertebrate pests. Often when people are studying and they're either looking on the online lists of things you need to know, or you're in the book of the IPM for the Urban Professional, you turn to page 186 and you're like, why do I need to know common vertebrate pests for an exam that is associated with entomology? So my name is Sylvia Kenmere, and this is another episode of ACAs, and today we're going to deal with common vertebrate pests. So in particular, we're going to be talking about rodents, bats, and birds. And while this seems like this would not be a topic you would need to know, because we're going to talk about their specific ID, we're also going to talk about some of the insects that they harbor and which ones are associated with disease. And that's really why they become very important. When you look at pest management, of course they're important when we're talking about things that they do, starting fires. But the other important part is the association with public health. And, you know, especially today when we're looking at how essential pest control is, we want to make sure that we include important topics. And that's why they're in this group. And this is why you may be asked identification questions for specific rodents or more about bats or some specific birds because they are associated with public health issues and mainly disease pathogens and then why it's important to manage those pests. And so we will talk about that as we're going along. So the first group we're going to talk about is the rodents. And in specifically, we're not going to talk about a lot of native rodents. We're going to talk about the commensal rodents. And so that's going to be your mice and rats. Uh, they are your commensal rodents and house mouse. And then specifically, Norway rat and roof rat. Now, there are other rats out there like wood rats that are associated with vectors. And so we are going to talk about those briefly, but we're really going to focus on the Norway rat, the roof rat, and the house mouse. And with mice as well, we have deer mice that are associated with one of the most important uh, diseases out there for us in pest management, which is hantavirus. So what you need to know when it comes to vertebrate pest control, and we look at the vertebrate when it comes specifically to the ACE exam, is we want to make sure that you are able to identify four species of rodents. And that's going to be the house mouse, the Norway rat, and the roof rat. The other mouse that you're going to be responsible for is the deer mouse. And again, it's because of its association with hantavirus. So the things you have to know is common name. And for house mice and deer mice, that's their common name. When it comes to Norway rat and roof rat, they do have common names. Um, coloration is always one of those ones I hate. But the Norway rat is also known as the brown rat, the sewer rat, those are the two of the more common ones. And then the roof rat is known as the black rat or the fruit rat. And so knowing common names is helpful because sometimes our customers talk that way. Hey, are these sewer rats? And then you have to know a few identification uh, indicators. So one is going to be the size. So how big are they? And then the other thing is the tail. Because we use the tail, especially for the rat 
rats, we use that tail as helpful guides to identification. Now, this, of course, is if the tail isn't injured and the tail is intact, right? Uh, but for separating out something like a roof rat and a wood rat, you would look at the tail because sometimes they look extremely similar, but the wood rat tail has a lot of hair on it or fur, where a roof rat would not have that. So that's something we can look at. And then we also know that to distinguish between a Norway rat and a rat, a roof rat, we would actually take that tail and if it's shorter than the head and body, well, then it's a Norway rat. If it's longer, then it would be a roof rat. So those are some of the general things that we used for identification. The other requirement is what opening for a building, you know, if we we're trying to get into a structure, how big of a space do they need? And so with the with the Norway and roof rat, we're talking about a half an inch. When we're talking about house mice or deer mice, we're talking about a quarter inch. Their general range is also helpful. And boy, we're learning now with rodent management how important it is to understand those ranges. Where you look at something like a Norway rat, which is 100 to 400 feet, um, you know, generally of 100 to 200 feet is the average, we look at roof rat and that can be 300 feet, okay, away from the nest. And so these are important things. Water requirement is also important because we know that house mice need very little water. They get most of their water from their food source, where Norway rats and roof rats actually need one to two ounces per day. Where they like to nest is important. And so, uh, especially when we're talking about structures. Now remember, commensal rodents don't happen without people, okay? The word commensal means live with man. And really, there is no forest with Norway rats and roof rats uh, living in harmony and then, you know, people move in. We move in and they move in with us, okay? That's really how it happens. And so um, knowing where they nest is important. The droppings are helpful for ID because sometimes that's all that's left behind. And remember, droppings are generalities. Uh, not all droppings are the same. If you took, uh, you know, rats, depending on what they're feeding on, can, can vary. But dropping generality is important. And then the other thing we need to know is who is associated with what diseases and pathogens, so there's a great table if you are following along in the book on page 187 that goes over all of this. If you don't have this and you're using a second source, then create your own table with all of that information. And then to make sure you take a moment to jot down the diseases. So for house mouse, we see that they're associated with salmonella, rickettsia, lymphosciatic, chromomeningitis, boy, that's a hard one. We say LCM. You say not even I can say all of those. Don't feel bad if you get stuck on these words. Remember, uh, they're not. there's no uh, word police around, so you're good. Then you have the deer mice, which is primarily the transmitter of hantavirus. You have Norway rat, which is associated with rat bite fever, salmonella, uh, typhus, listerosis, and then others. And then you have roof rat, which is associated with rat bite fever, salmonella, murine typhus, listerosis, trichinosis, and others. Okay, and so another great place for information is the CDC website. If you type in any of these specific rodents, they will tell you all of the diseases, and they've got some really great pictures of disease transmission cycles, which I think, while you're not going to be asked specific questions, it is important to understand those disease transmission cycles to know 
Who exactly is responsible for vectoring these diseases? Okay, is it the insect that they're vectoring, whether it's a flea bite, or is it the rodent itself in their droppings that could cause the pathogen? So knowing the difference of that stuff is really important when we're trying to communicate with our customers. And so those are the rodents, okay? You don't have to get into great detail about management other than there were some recent changes by EPA on the anticoagulants, okay? And so um, you wanna make sure that you understand those rules. And I think, uh, you know, it's been since 2012, 2013. So uh, those rules are pretty standard. In some states, there's more restrictions, we know that. But we're looking at a federal level, okay? So we're looking higher, all right? So make sure that you're familiar uh, with those requirements. Basically, Bates uh, cannot be placed no farther than 100 feet from a man-made structure. And then, you know, every state has different definitions of a man-made structure, so we just need to know the general that's a man-made structure. And I think that would be helpful for you guys. So that's all you need to know for rodents. And then, you know, what ectoparasites you might find on them. Again, by looking at those different disease transmission cycles, you'll be able to really see uh, who is, you know, responsible for what. That will be uh, something you will need to know. Now, as far as the bats go, bats are pretty cool because bats are in a whole nother order. So rodents are in the order Rodentitia. Okay, so now we're going away from class insecta and you know, we're back to our King Philip came over for good soup, right? And so bats are in another order. So they are in the order Chiroptera. So they're mammals, okay, just like rodents, they're mammals, but they're a different kind of mammal, okay? And so they are in the order Chiroptera. And they are unique in that they have um, a few things. There are about 40 different species of bats found in the US, so that's pretty cool. And they're predators, most of them are predators, okay? That's really uh, what they do is they're feeding on insects, uh, but the problem with them is that their feces, okay, can actually have a disease-causing pathogen, okay, called histoplasmosis, and that's a fungal pathogen. And so that's one problem with bats is that they do uh, transmit histoplasmosis, which is a lung disease. Uh, the other thing about them is that we learned probably in the last 10 years that they had a specific uh, true bug associated with them called the bat bug, okay? And so the bat bug is very similar to bed bugs, uh, but it's not the same, okay? It's a completely different uh, genus and species. And so those are a couple of things that you need to know. The other important thing is that when you guys are doing bat exclusion, uh, you have to make sure that you protect yourselves. And so uh, personal protective equipment becomes really important when it comes to uh, dealing with bats. Uh, bats can also be associated with rabies. And so that's another thing that's important uh, because we want to make sure that we protect you in addition to the uh, homeowner that the bats might be uh, living in the structure. The other thing is there are some restrictions to managing bats. Um, there's no specific questions as far as the regulations other than knowing there are regulations, okay? And so if you're doing specific bat exclusion or bat, um, you know, where you're trying to keep them out of structures, 
make sure you check that there's local regulations or restrictions on removing the bats or blocking their roost sites during specific times of year. And knowing that general information is enough. The last group of vertebrates that you will have to know about is birds. And especially for some of the nuisance birds like pigeons, European starlings, and house sparrows, they can be structural pests. And like the rodents, they can be associated with spreading diseases. Um, They could have ectoparasites on them, so they have been known to have mites for sure. But you can also find um, there's another uh, bug associated with them in the um, hemipterans that's going to be the swallow or bird bug okay and so again uh, probably 10 years ago we really didn't think about them but now uh, we definitely think about the swallow bug and so you've got three of three or four of them that you have to be familiar with on the ace exam we talked about the human bed bug we talked about the tropical bed bug and now we have the bat bug and the swallow bird bug so it's a lot of bugs right so be familiar with them and sometimes, you know, all of these, whether it's a rodent, a bird, or a bat, they could have ticks associated with them. Uh, for some of them, it's more common than others, but ticks can certainly be associated with them. And then again, those insects can have disease-causing pathogens. And so with the starlings and the house sparrows, they're actually associated with histoplasmosis. So as we mentioned, that is a a pathogen through the fecal matter. Okay, so that's all of the bird bird droppings or another scientific word would be bird guano. Okay, and so that's where you're going to find histoplasmosis. But then they also have mites that are capable of biting people. With the European starlings, the house sparrows, and the pigeons, they are the only birds that are not protected by federal law and may be taken or killed without, without permits, okay? Other birds are protected. And so um, knowing that is important for the exam. However, uh, there could be local guidelines and rules in every state. And so knowing whether or not uh, that may be different in your state would be important. But for the most part, generally speaking, those three species, the house sparrow, the European starling, and pigeons um, do not are not protected by federal law. And so you're able to control those uh, particular species. Now, we always want to make sure we're humane, and that's always a challenge for us, okay, because uh, we've lost products because of the perception of not being humane. Uh, There was a product called Avatrol that is still around, uh, but is much more limited, and this was working for birds and management, and it's got a very specific way you use it, it's restricted because uh, you know, as pe- it's, it causes a, a pretty violent death. And if somebody's observing that, it can look very inhumane. And so we have to be really careful when we're managing uh, birds or even bats or even rodents because there is the perception of, of being humane when you're dealing with um, animals. Uh, people don't seem to care so much about insects. Maybe butterflies and dragonflies is it. Uh, but for the most part, when we're dealing with these guys, it can be quite the challenge. Again, make sure you go back 
and read these few chapters or at least go into your second resource and read all about uh, the, the different ones on the list. Remember, there's not a whole lot if you look at the list that we have to deal with. Uh, you have about 10 different ones that you are required to know. And so that's going to be something. It's the house mouse first, which is, you know, the number one rodent that we have to deal with. The Norway roof rat, pigeons, deer mice, English sparrow, European starling, and then the bats, commensal bats, bats that live with us. Okay. And so those are the ones you have to know. Uh, be familiar with hantavirus. Okay. Hantavirus is really important when it comes to a uh, disease. I know that we've in the recent years have learned about other things like murine typhus. Um, you know, notice that we talk very little about rabies because it's just not as common. But but hantavirus is really important when it comes to uh, pest management. So that's really the one that you're going to be asked. And that's it. So hopefully you are now familiar with what you need to know about the vertebrates. Um, it's not too much, but enough that you know, you'll have to do a little bit of research of looking up some of these diseases and becoming a little bit more familiar with them so that when you get to this part of the exam, you got it.